Welcome to the Sherry Group Podcast. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Yes, welcome to the Sherry Group Podcast. I am Drew Demery, joined here by my faithful co-host, David Sherry. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Drew. I'm excited to get back to the podcast after a busy summer and fall. It's time to get back to our routine here. This is going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We've got a fun guy with us, Adam Allgaard. He's an architectural designer based out of St. Paul. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Dave, for having me on the show. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to have you join us on this next podcast series all about site development, facilities, design. So thanks again for joining us. Um, I'm excited to get into our conversation here. So why don't you just maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do, uh, and then we can dive into how we might best use an architect or a designer to improve our camps. Sure. Like you said, I'm based in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, I work with a small architectural firm. Uh, We're about six people, really hands-on across the full spectrum of design from the initial concept development all the way through a finished building. Love it. Let's start out in kind of a general term. Like what can an architect do for a camp? Why might a camp want to call up an architect if they're building a building or if they're revamping something? Why should anybody involve an architect or a designer into this entire process? I think what the most value is really bringing a level of expertise to the project. I mean, when you're a camp director, you're really focusing on the operations of the camp you're not necessarily an expert on facilities. You may have some ideas on what you need or what you might need to grow the camp, but more than likely you don't have all of the expertise to take it from that initial vision to a reality. So it's really providing that bridge from the idea to the reality and getting the client or the camp what they need and at a price that works within their budget and within their schedule. And Adam, I think when most people think of an architect, I think what first pops in their head is someone who designs and draws buildings, but it's really more than that, right? You do more than just design buildings. You help all the way through from visioning to site planning to what, what's everything that an architect can bring to a table for a camp? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great point. And I think we could start as early as if somebody comes to us and says, um, I think we're out of space. We can visit the camp. We can work with them. We can look at what they have in terms of an asset and figure out how well are you utilizing your space? What could a long-term vision look like? Where do you need maintenance? There's really a, a sort of a twofold approach. There's the, the early work, the master planning, uh, the big vision, the pre-designing, so the sort of early, what's the big idea, and then all the way through uh, to the building design side of it, where you really figure out how things come together, what it's going to look like, and how it gets constructed. And once you have a design, does the architect stay through the construction process? Yeah, a typical arrangement with an architect, you would enter into what's called the construction administration phase. And that would be after the construction documents are issued, um, you'll get a contractor on board, either by bidding or if you have a pre-selected contractor that you, that, you know, that you like to work with or that knows your camp. Once the project's under construction, we'll typically stay on 
uh, as the owner's representative in a way to make sure that you're getting what you're supposed to be getting so that the contractor is building what's in the drawings and that the costs are you know on track, the schedule's on track. So we're really there as the expert on behalf of the owner during that process. I just think it's so important for our listeners to understand all that an architect does and that site planning itself is a huge thing for camps and to be able to take a look at your facilities as a whole, look at the camp and everything from traffic flow and patterns to how do buildings look together and where is their space and environmental impacts, all of that is something an architect can help address in the master plan through designing new buildings all the way through construction. Such a great partnership to have if you can find an architect that you're comfortable with. Yes, definitely. Let's talk about that partnership. How might somebody find an architect, Adam? Do they just Google them or ask a friend or maybe call another camp director? I don't know how to find an architect, but I'm sure you do. And maybe what are some of the things that go into selecting the right architect to have a partner in the process? Sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think Google has made it fairly easy to sort of get in touch preliminarily or to, you know, pull up a firm's website and browse through what they've got to offer. But there's a lot of other avenues. There's some trade publications that deal with specifically with architects and builders. Uh, There's the AIA, which is the American Institute of Architects. They have some resources to help find firms. Word of mouth is another good one. Uh, The biggest thing is to find a firm that you can work with. So going in, meeting with the principals or the project managers, the people you're going to be working with on a day-to-day basis, and, you know, making sure that your vision is compatible with, you know, what they can offer. So there are a lot of firms that specialize in certain areas. It's all about that conversation and, and making sure that, you know, your vision and their expertise are in alignment. Adam, when you're interviewing or trying to connect with an architect, do architects have styles? Is it worth going to look at other projects they've designed or their similar styles, or they really uh, kind of start from scratch with each building? That kind of goes on a firm by firm basis. There are firms that have a very distinct style uh, that carries through sort of all of their projects and it's, you know, their signature, if you will. But there are a lot of firms that are more client focused and, you know, they really work with the client to get what they're looking for out of the project. Um, And there are other ones that, you know, like our firm, as an example, a lot of our projects, there's a similar theme, but I wouldn't say that they all look the same and they all address a different need and, and your site can always inform what your building is doing and should inform what your building is doing. What do you mean by that? Can you explain that a little bit and form what your building's doing? Yeah, so incorporating the natural features of a site is a, a way to emphasize either particular elements of the site or to um, enhance the building and the, the general experience. So let's say you have like a really nice stream flowing through your site. You know, that building can interact with the stream in a number of ways. It's like, do you sort of follow along the stream or do you bridge over it or do you hold back from it? I mean, there's a lot of different ways that the building can respond to what's on the site. Or if you have a lot of topography, you may look at nestling it back into the hillside to reduce some of the mass or bulk of the structures. Or, you know, maybe you break buildings apart into separate elements to either wrap around a water feature or 
you know, create a sort of protected or restful space sort of in the center of the site. So That's interesting. Uh, you know, when I think about a summer camp cabin, you know, if we were all to close our eyes right now, I bet we would think four walls about 12 feet tall with a pitched roof, enough room for, you know, eight bunk beds and that's a camp cabin, but you're saying maybe it can be a little bit more unique, a little bit more in line with even maybe our mission and values. Right. Yep. Yeah. And so that's something that if, if you find a good architect, they'll be able to work some of your, either if you have a, a historic aesthetic, uh, maybe you have a couple of historic buildings on your camp or, or maybe you're starting from scratch and you have, you know, this ideal that that's a little different than a traditional summer camp. And so we want to go away from a traditional cabin aesthetic. Those are things that an architect will be able to help you work through. Like you said, maybe if you have a distinct vision or value and you want to incorporate some of those ideas conceptually in a physical building, a good architect will be able to help you achieve that. Yeah, I'm thinking about the idea of community at summer camp and that how deep the community roots run um, to the mission of, of camping in America. And so you'll often see villages of cabins together. That might be something that a camp director uh, might need to kind of explain to an architect is that we're a community. We don't um, necessarily want a cabin off by themselves, um, one for security reasons, but also because part of our values and our mission is that we do things together, small communities, and then we come together to be bigger communities. So I really like that you touched on the idea of partnership early on in this conversation, because I think that that's going to be a theme that I think about now when I think about working with an architect or a designer has been, and being an advocate um, to get the most out of your plans. Yeah, I do too. I love that idea. And I love um, the idea of having a real relationship with somebody there that even spans over time so that as buildings are built, that vision can be something that is shared and built upon over time. Let's take a quick break here, Dave, and we will uh, just take a, a short break and dive back into the conversation. I'm really interested to know a little bit more about the process, the timeline, and the cost of an architect uh, for us camp directors, that is quite important. Uh, So let's take a quick break and we'll dive back into it here. The Sherry Group LLC is a proud supporter of summer camps and nonprofits nationwide, specializing in operations, fundraising, and executive coaching. Contact the Sherry Group today at www.thesherrygroupllc.com. Thank you. Okay, we are back with the Sherry Group podcast. Thanks for joining us for the second half of our episode here with Adam Allgaard, an architectural designer based out of St. Paul. He's talking with us today about the benefits of working with an architect or designer to get the most out of your site and development. I'm really interested to know about kind of the pricing of this all, Adam. When I hear the word architect, I hear expensive. Maybe that's just part of the culture that we live in, but maybe they're not all so expensive. I'm not quite sure. Tell us a little bit about some of the associated costs with working with an architect or a designer. Yeah, I, I think that that is unfortunately the perception uh, that it's always expensive. Uh, but going back to the idea of it being a relationship or a partnership, sometimes you can, if you find a group that that you really like to work with and they really believe in your vision, there may be a chance for uh, an extended ar- arrangement where some of that early work to get a project off the ground or get people excited about a project and fundraise a project 
some of that could be available at a discounted rate if the firm knows that should that project go forward, that they'll be the ones to design it. Uh, that's a, an example of where a relationship can sort of lighten the load on the front end. But in, in terms of the overall project, because you have someone on your team throughout the process, we're really there to manage costs. And that's what a lot of people don't necessarily understand. If you're working solely with the contractor, they have one opinion on how something should go together. And, and we bring a second opinion and a cost check to that uh, relationship. And so there's a, an easy way to think about it as a, as a triangle. You have the contractor, the owner, and the architect. And you know the owner is paying the contractor for their services to construct the building. And in return, they get a building. The owner is paying the architect for their services. And in return, they get a design and oversight of the project. And the architect and the contractor work together to make sure that the owner's vision is successfully realized. So in terms of the actual cost of the work, it's very hard to pin down an, an exact number uh, because it can vary from project to project greatly, from deliverables to project scale and you know the, the perceived timeline or the design schedule. It all impacts the cost. So it's, it's really, I would say, more about the relationship and understanding that it doesn't always cost money, it may in the long run save some money by, you know, focusing the building effort and making sure that uh, there aren't these cost or schedule overruns that can happen during the construction process. The other thing I think we should mention is that um, I think a lot of times when you talk architect, you, you automatically, or at least I do, think of new construction. But uh, my years of running a camp, I can tell you there are a lot of times that an architect came in and really helped us figure out how to remodel or repair or upgrade an existing building. Yep. Uh, the firm that I work with is about 70% of our work is renovation or expansion work. Uh, being able to revitalize an existing asset and having uh, the vision to take what you already have and either repurpose it or reconfigure it completely to a, to a new use or to optimize its use for its current function uh, is also a way to lessen the impact financially because you can preserve certain elements of that building or most of it in some cases. So let's say, Adam, we have our, our master plan in place. We know the project we wanna do. We're gonna build a new building or remodel a building. Let's say we're gonna build a new building. And so we've, we've got a relationship with our architect. We want to move forward with our project. What is the best way to get started? Should, should we come to you with some napkin drawings and, and sketches of what we want? Or do we come to meet with you with a list of, you know, these things are important to us. This is what we're looking for. Some project ideals, maybe. Or do we come to you with a CAD drawing? Where's the best place to start? I mean, CAD drawings are great, right? Because then my job is done. But, you know, that's not the reality. And uh, I think if you're starting with a master plan and a clear vision on what needs to happen or where the camp needs to go or, or what this project's specific goal is, you're way ahead of the game. Um, that alone is critical to getting the project started and moving in the right direction. I would say the second most important thing is, is really having a strong champion 
for the project at the camp. And that person should be empowered to make decisions uh, because there are a lot of decisions through the process from, you know, what type of floor do you want or what color should we paint this wall or, you know, what type of light fixture do we want to see here or there and having someone on board who can make a decision or who can be a champion for the project is huge. And I, I would say that that's probably the, the key step is to, you know, engage your architect that you have the relationship with, find your champion within the camp and get them to sit down together and go through the specifics of the project. And uh, if you've got those two things in place, you could have a napkin sketch or just the idea. Is there such a thing as giving too much direction or no direction at all? If I came to you and just said, I need a building that's going to sleep this many people and I want to go over there versus coming to you with some pretty specific ideas, does either way impact negatively or positively? I would say there's probably a sweet spot in there somewhere where too much detail is going to cost you more money and too little detail is going to cost you more money and more time. So if you come to the architect with no information and you, let's say you don't have a strong champion for the project uh, within the camp, they're going to be designing what they think is best with no input. And they're going to bring that to the camp for review. And if you don't have a strong champion for the project within the camp, then you're going to have a couple people look at it and they might each have a different idea and they might want to see two, two or three different things. And then the architect will go back, respond to that input and continue to develop the project, but it, it's going to be a sort of wandering path and that's okay, but it takes extra time and therefore some extra dollars. And on the other side, if you're too specific, you may find yourself backed into a corner where they try really hard to make it work and it just doesn't work and something's got to give or the project is just going to be expensive. Like let's say uh, you want to build a five-story lodge um, and reception building into the side of a hill. Well, I mean, that may sound good and may look good on paper, but can you actually afford it? And does it fit on the property there? I mean, there's, there's got to be some flexibility. Well, I think that that actually brings up another great question is, is what comes first, the chicken or the egg? We're camp people. We're a little price sensitive, I think, by nature. And so we have a project we want to build. Most of us are going to have to raise the money to do that. How do we go about finding out an idea of what all this is going to cost? Not only the architect's time, but an estimate on the construction. Do we need to come to you with a budget in mind? This is what we're willing to spend? Or how far along the process do you have to go before you're able to say, this is a ballpark of what your project's going to cost so we know whether or not we can even afford it? Yeah, I think it really can be both or either. Let's just have a hypothetical scenario. Let's say that you have an old pool and you know you want to fix up the pool. You want to completely redo it and make a new bathhouse next to it. You've got, let's say you've got $20,000 from a donor to work with right now. You could come into an architecture firm and you could just say, look, I've got this 20,000. We want to do this project. What do we need to fundraise to fill the gap? So that would be one way to approach it. Architects are typically responsible for early in the design cost estimating. So 
I've done a large number of very preliminary cost estimates. And those are based on, you know, previous projects or comparable scopes of work that peers have completed in the same region or pairing similar scope of work. So that can help inform what the total budget should be. There is the other side of it where you could have a client come in and say, I'm sitting on a $3 million donation. These are things that our camp is lacking. What items can we address with this $3 million? And they should be able to help walk you through that. That's the camp I want to be at. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Thank you for that. Adam, we've got a few more minutes here and I really want to get your input on what are some of the best tips for working with an architect? You've already mentioned having a champion on the inside, um, kind of finding that sweet spot of, we know what we want, but we also know that there's somebody a little bit more skilled than us who, who can help us. Um, so th- those are two awesome tips. Um, any other tips for somebody who um, wants to revamp their camp or build at their camp that you're like, oh, this is something that you should really consider when working with an architect or any downfalls <laughs> that you've seen that are common downfalls, like uh, communicating too much. I'd, do you want 20 emails a day about one project? I mean, I might have that sometimes, but uh, yeah, I think as far as as downfalls, a a common one is cutting the vision or the sort of big moves back. Let's use an example of of a school. Let's say you're building a new school and you want to build a new gym, but you can't quite afford to do the big gym with the money that you have. You have to do a little smaller gym. There's always that question of, should I try to raise more money to get the big gym or should I cut back something else to get the big gym? And my advice is you can always add furniture. You can always add equipment. You can always upgrade your finishes, but you can't really rebuild that gym. So if you can make it work, get as close as you can to your, to your vision or your dream, knowing that you can always upgrade some of those smaller items in the future. So your square footage is important. Your footprint is hugely important. It can be. Yeah, it can be. I mean, the example of the gym is key because it's like you could fit a court in the small gym, but you could fit a court plus spectators in the big gym. Well, now you've added a second use for that big gym. So how can additional square footage or additional amenities increase the usability of a facility? And is that something that would be worth spending the extra money on? Most of the time it is, but you might have to make some sacrifices in things that are easier to upgrade in the future to do that. Mm. Finishes, tile work, that kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, focus your dollars on the high impact, high touch areas. So you, you really work with the architect to figure out where do we spend the money to get the impact and to get the function that we need and where can we cut back a little bit to make that happen. I would say those are probably some of the most productive conversations that we have with clients because, you know, we're there to help them realize their vision and they're the ones that know how they're going to use the space and how losing a a particular element might impact their program or their program delivery and therefore may impact their future revenue stream. So those items as an architect, we need to know that so that we can help make those pieces a priority. Mm Mm-hmm. So it kind of comes back to the idea of a champion within the camp, having a good relationship 
camp's all about relationships. So um, I think that that idea would sit well with many of our camp directors. Well, Adam, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, taking some time to visit with us and talk about camp, which we always love doing. And there are a few things more exciting than uh, talking about projects for me. I love the idea of ways that we can improve upon camp and folks like you are important partners in that. Yeah, it's always fun to work with clients that are excited about uh, a vision and excited about making change and making a, a space unique and better and uh, better suited to the function that they're after. Yeah, Wonderful. Very good. Wonderful. Well, thanks, David. And thanks, Adam. I am Drew Demery. This has been the Sherry Group Podcast, and we will see you on the radio waves again very soon. Bye-bye. This has been the Sherry Group Podcast. Thank you for listening and have a great day.